Well, hello and welcome to week six of our Renewal for Your Life series. I'm so glad to be here with you. Anson Hanbury, one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and I've been enjoying this series, benefiting from the teaching and reflections um, week by week, led by Mike and our campus pastors, and so I'm excited this week to be able to share with you a bit of my perspective and take on things as we uh, move through this series together. I want to thank Aaron uh, for sharing his story, uh, for letting us in on some of his journey and how he's processed things related to renewal in his own life. And we all have a story right now. I mean, we always have a story, but especially uh, we all have stories over the last 12, 18 months um, of how we've processed things and continue to do so. I'm going to share a little bit of how I've been processing it uh, in just a few minutes. Um, but just want to start us off today by sort of backing up and, and framing where we're at uh, for just a moment. If you've been with us, you know that uh, this eight-week series that we're in the middle of is called Renewal, and it comes from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And certainly right now, um, the various patterns of this world uh, are loud and calling for our attention. And maybe there, be, there are more divisive patterns of this world uh, than I can ever remember, and maybe you can too. And so it's a, it's a moment that's difficult. Um, we acknowledge that. Let's just admit that. It's a, it's a uniquely difficult moment uh, for all of us in terms of how we're going to navigate the various patterns of this world. But Romans 12, 2 calls us not to be conformed to any of those patterns, but rather to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so it's calling us out of the debates. It's calling us out of the divisions. It's calling us out of the inner conflict of how we're processing the world around us. And it's calling us to think on a higher plane. And so we began uh, with the first four weeks of this series looking at our identity and how we understand ourselves. Lots of different ways that, that we understand ourselves in this world in terms of our relationship to our family, at home, our workplace, our hobbies and interests, our ideologies and beliefs. Lots of ways that our identity is formed in this world. But uh, Mike and our campus pastors called us to that higher level of forming our identity in the way that God sees us. That we are all highly valued, but deeply fallen, eternally shaped, but greatly loved. Um, and now we've moved into part two of this series where Mike kicked off last week. Uh, what does that look like? Uh, if the first part is our identity, uh, the second half is really our priorities and how do we begin to live that out? How do we begin to um, process or reprocess how to live in light of our identity from God's perspective? And the the key theme verse in this second half is Mark twelve thirty, where Jesus invites us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Last week, Mike kicked off this Part B section by looking at the heart. Uh, and he noted how the heart is really the, the command center of our being. It's the thing that drives us, the thing that, that compels us so that our mind and our thoughts uh, get in line, that our emotions uh, line up around uh, what our heart drives us to, and then our actions will then follow. And so he talked about the heart uh, as that part of us uh, that really is the engine that drives our life. And this week we're going to come to the soul. Jesus talked about the heart, soul, mind, and strength. And even before we dive in, I want to just um, 
acknowledge that, that I think it's really helpful uh, to notice these distinct parts of our being, and I'll have some things to say about that, uh, but also not to overpress those distinctions, right? So just as we look at some of these biblical passages that talk about the mind or the heart or the soul, uh, there's, a, there's a holistic nature to all of them. A lot of times it just refers to um, how we're processing in, in our identity as a whole. But then there's also a dimension of uniqueness to these component parts of us. And I think there's a lot of value in this second part of the renewal series to stepping back to examine each piece. And so today, we're talking about the renewal of the soul. The renewal of the soul. And so I think a good place to start is simply by asking, what is the soul? It's not real clear, is it? It's somewhat of a mystery. Uh, We use soul just in life in a lot of different contexts, um, but we don't often really try to define what it is. I mean, we're in football season right now, and and a lot of times you'll talk about a a player or a coach as the soul of a team. One of my favorite old movies, Rudy, uh, he was the the soul of the Notre Dame football team, even though he didn't play, ever. Uh, It was his passion and his grit and his determination that inspired everybody around him, and so they talk about him as the soul or the life of the team. Uh, If a team has a a really bad loss, it might be called a soul-crushing loss. Uh, or another context, we might talk about uh, taking a drive through a beautiful countryside and it's, it's an uplifting to your soul experience to see the beautiful scenery. We talk about soul food that just uh, satisfies an appetite on a, on a deeper level than just the physical. We talk about music that speaks to our soul. So many different ways that, that we talk about the soul. It's just sort of an understanding uh, in our culture that it's, it's a part of us but what exactly is it? Mike uh, referenced Dallas Willard last week. Dallas Willard is a pastor. Uh, he's passed away, but a philosopher, really influential and helpful in categories like this. And this is how Dallas Willard defines the soul. He says, you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's the most important thing for you to know about you. And here's the part about your soul. It says, your soul is not just something that lives on after your body dies. It's the most important thing about you. It is your life. And so in the taxonomy of our humanness, those component parts that make us who we are, uh, the soul is that integrating center that just holds everything together. It's the quiet essence of who we are. Uh, One of the most helpful ways that Dallas Willard talks about the soul for me, uh, in contrast to the other parts of our being, is that the soul doesn't demand attention. So your mind demands attention. The, The ideas that compel us, the wheels that spin in our mind. Sometimes we can't control the thoughts of our mind. They they demand attention on the forefront. Uh, or our heart, the things in, in our emotions, or our will, or our passions, the things that we just are driven by, um, they come to the forefront and they demand our attention. Uh, certainly our bodies, our strength, our physical bodies. Uh, we have a pain or an ache, it demands attention, but the soul is not like that. The soul quietly holds things together in the background and carries who we are in a way that does not demand 
attention. And so when we talk about renewal of the soul, I think we have a unique challenge because in order to address the soul, in order to consider the soul, in order to understand the soul, it's something that we have to intentionally pay attention to because it's not going to, to demand attention for itself. And so that's what I hope to do in the next few minutes uh, today is to help us slow down and to pay attention to that quiet essence of who you and I are. That integrating center uh, that holds all the parts together. And when those parts are all held together um, in a cohesive fashion, we can talk about an integrated soul. And when these parts of us are competing um, and in conflict, we could talk about a disintegrated soul. And I don't know about you, but especially now in, in the times that we're moving through, it's a particular challenge um, to try and hold together an integrated soul. And so I hope these next few minutes will be helpful uh, for us as we do that. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back to the Old Testament into the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalms 42 and 43. Um, we're going to have some words on the screen in just a minute. But if you have a, a copy of the scriptures, uh, one, of the, one of the things, incidentally, that I think helps us to slow down and consider some of these things is actually to read words on a page. Uh, imagine that. Uh, so when I'm reading the Bible with my soul in mind, I'll make an intentional decision not to go to my phone like I sort of would default to, but actually to find a copy of the Bible and, and read it on the page. Um, so if you're at home and you have a chance to do that, I would invite you to do that. If you are here in the room, um, that, if you don't have one with you, that's fine. Um, but just there's something about actually getting off those screens and getting in the moment that, that's a little bit helpful as we uh, consider our soul. So we're going to spend a few minutes just reflecting on the way that this particular psalm uh, helps us uh, as we seek renewal for our soul. And let me just offer a couple of introductory comments before we dive in. This is a lament psalm. And I'll confess to you, when I chose uh, this passage or these two psalms, which are really one unit, uh, 42 and 43 are really one uh, psalm, as we'll see in just a minute. I didn't go there because it's a lament psalm. A lament is just um, really grieving one's losses, uh, looking back uh, and grieving the losses that someone has experienced in life and, and pouring that out to God. That's what essentially a lament is. But I didn't go to this passage thinking of it as a lament psalm. I went to it because consistently through this psalm, as you'll see, uh, the writer addresses his own soul. Um, but the fact that it is a lament, that it's, that it's a, a psalm where he's grieving his losses, I think actually may be the most helpful part for us, as we'll, as we'll see. Because one way to connect with our soul is through lament. Uh, it's acknowledging and grieving our losses. Why is that? My understanding of it, my take on it, is that because our soul is that quiet essence of who we are, because it's that integrating center, our soul carries the weight of every unprocessed emotion that we've ever sort of tossed into our backpack over the course of our lifetime. In other words, we go through life, things happen to us, circumstances come and go, and they trigger us in all sorts of different ways. 
Sometimes we're able to process those in the moment. Sometimes we can't because either the pain is too great or we just don't have time or we don't even realize that something significant just happened. In any of those cases, rather than processing that emotion or processing that moment in our mind, heart, will, soul, we just sort of throw it in our backpack behind us. We think it's out of sight, out of mind. We think it's gone, but it's not. We're carrying it around and our souls get the unique privilege of carrying around every unprocessed emotion that we've ever had over the course of our lives. You may be skeptical of that. They may not be a category that you you like to think in, but just go with me on this uh, and consider the impact um, on your soul of what's happened in your own life as we move into this psalm together. So let's go right to it. Uh, Psalm 42 begins this way. The writer says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is part one of a a three-part lament uh, that we see in in these two psalms. And and you can see from it, you sort of pick up the context clues of what we just read. Uh, This psalmist, the writer, uh, this poet who's writing these verses um, was a worship leader, right? Talked about how he used to lead the people in this festive throng to the temple to worship God. But he had been exiled from the temple. Maybe like a worship leader who was exiled or pulled away or removed from the church. Uh, He was living in a time when the Israelites, uh, the nation of Israel, had been scattered. We don't know exactly at what point in history this psalm is referring to, but there were exiles where all of the Israelites were carried off into Babylon or into Assyria. And so during one of these times, here is this lament of this worship leader who had been taken off into exile along with uh, the rest of his people and is lamenting how he used to lead the people in worship, and it's weighing heavily on his soul. You may have recognized the lyrics uh, at the beginning of this, uh, of this psalm, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. If you've been around the church for a number of years, several years ago, this was a worship song that was really, uh, really popular, really well done, and I gotta confess, it, it never resonated with me. In fact, I didn't like that song at all because I felt like it wasn't, wasn't true of me. I just couldn't sing it uh, because it wasn't true that sort of everything in my being longed or panted after God. I thought, that's just overstating the reality. That's not, that's not what I'm experiencing. But I, but I don't think that's what this psalmist is saying. I don't think he's saying that with everything in me, my heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything is panting, longing after God. I think what he's saying when we think about these different components of who we are, he's recognizing that his soul, that quiet essence of who he is, is crying out and longing for God. 
Now that I can resonate with. When my mind is somewhere else, when my heart and my passions and my motives are somewhere else, when my body is somewhere else, maybe not paying attention to God at all, it's my soul that quietly longs for God. And you may not be a worship leader, but you were just as created for connection with God. We all were. We were all created for connection with God, and it's our soul that quietly longs for that connection. And so I'll ask you, who are you? You're probably not a worship leader exiled from the church, but you're someone with a story. How are you wired? What is it that that you long for? What is it that you might be lamenting or grieving right now that maybe hasn't even been on the forefront of your mind? How well do you know yourself? I think one of the practical realities behind this is it's going to be hard to find renewal for our souls if we don't know ourselves, if we don't know those sort of deeper longings of our heart. This, this psalmist, he knew the longing of his soul, was able to identify it, and was able to lament it, was able to grieve those losses. And as we're, we're going to see as this psalm continues, that's, that's part of how he began to find renewal. He knew the condition of his own soul. He knew the questions to ask. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? He knew how to encourage his soul. Remember, put your hope in God. He knew himself and how to address his own soul. And so I wonder how well you and I are able to do that. So there, on a, on a, on a deep level, there are, there are lots of tools that are really helpful uh, for self-discovery. Uh, many of you have, um, you're well-practiced in a lot of these things, but one uh, one person said to me at, at one point, I thought it was really helpful, said in this category of knowing ourselves, um, it's really helpful to be sort of like an investigator, sort of digging around uh, within our own sort of self. And I know that's really introspective. And again, this may not be your bag, but just go with me on this. Like an inspector helping us to understand who we are so that we might be able to seek renewal. So there's lots of helpful tools for this. You may be an Enneagram person or Myers-Briggs or DISC profile. There's Strengths Finder. There are spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts assessments. Lots of practical things that you can do. And I think they're all good. And they all teach us um, some piece about who we are. And when we resonate with some of those things, that helps us uh, to understand a little bit about who we are and how to speak to our own soul or mind or heart or, or even how to, how to treat our own body. Uh, to find renewal. But as it it pertains to the soul, um, just for me, um, I'm an Enneagram guy. You may be an Enneagram person. Uh, If so, I'd like to be your friend. I enjoy sort of thinking about uh, the categories of the Enneagram, but it's, you know, it divides people into numbers, one through nine, sort of, and generalizes sort of what, what people's experience is. So I'm an Enneagram three, and one of the things about an Enneagram, Enneagram three is that of all the types of people that are out there in the world, um, we're the least in touch with our own emotions or feelings or those things that are happening in the deepest parts of us. We're, we're sort of hyper-dialed into what's going on out here around us. We tend to be extroverted people who are in the moment, but we, we don't do a very good job of even being aware 
that there's something happening on the inside. And that's a part of my own story for the last six, seven years. Uh, I've been on a progressive journey of discovering more and more of what's happening sort of down deep within me in, in my emotional life, on the soul level for me. And, and the deeper it goes, the more healthy uh, I become. But it's had, I mean, it's worked its way out in my sort of physical body and some of the things that I feel physically, uh, certainly in my own, in my mental uh, capacities and mental health and, and my thoughts and the things that sort of govern the way that I'm processing the world around me. All of these things uh, are affected. And as I've learned to sort of discover some of those things that were totally foreign to me um, for most of my life, um, renewal has been happening. Slow, yes, much slower than I would, than I would like. I'd love to microwave that renewal. I don't think we get that, that privilege. But what's been happening, even though I wouldn't have used this language for it all the time, is that my soul has been slowly, slowly, but surely experiencing renewal. And so this is what we're seeing, and this is what sort of we're, we're being helped in, um, in this psalm. As, as, as we're watching this psalmist lament, um, and sort of talk about his own condition, I can relate to that because a lot of my own journey has been recognizing, oh my goodness, that happened and that happened. And you know what? I never did understand how deeply that affected me. And as I've learned to lament, as I've learned to grieve some of those losses, um, some of that health has, uh, has begun to grow. And so lament, helping us sort of discover who we are, discover those deeper longings, um, begin to grieve those losses, our soul longs to be in God's presence, whether we know it or not. You and I have been created with a soul that longs for God's presence. Just like this first part of this psalm uh, gives voice to, this, this Israelite worship leader longing um, to return and to worship God in his presence. But then he goes on, and he laments uh, in another category, and we'll see that uh, beginning in verse 6. He continues, My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, and all your waves and breakers have swept over me. See what he's doing? He's remembering the land of Israel, the mountains, the waterfalls, which are a beautiful thing uh, when you're there and experiencing them. But look at what he says now. It feels like uh, those waterfalls and breakers are just crashing down on me. So the beauty of what I long for, it just feels like a heavy burden to me uh, at this moment as my, as my soul is longing to return to that homeland. He continues to remember a life in the homeland. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, uh, a prayer to the God of my life. So by day and night, uh, the song of God sustaining him was the prayer to the God of his life. And he's lamenting sort of this, this loss of communion uh, with God. And you see it in this language. He says, I say to God, my rock, he knows God is his rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? 
Remember, he's one of these Israelites that's been exiled uh, into Babylon or Assyria or some other nation. And it's like his angry neighbor is yelling over the fence, hey, where is your God now? He's, he's taunted and mocked uh, by, these, um, by the neighbors around him. And he feels forgotten by God. And then he says a second time, sort of marks the second piece of this lament. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And see how he's kind of answering his own question, right? Why, why are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? He's answering his own question uh, in this lament that he's reflecting on just the condition of his own soul as he's, as he's grieving these losses. And then he goes on, and there's a third portion of this lament. And, and he calls out to God in this one, beginning in Psalm 43 and verse 1. He says, vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Notice uh, in the second part of this lament, he, he asked God why he had forgotten him. And now, it's why have you rejected me? So that sort of the, the depth of this lament, the depth of the grief of these losses is sort of progressively getting deeper and um, more to the core of, of what his soul is carrying, this burden that his soul is carrying and why it's so downcast. And then he, he cries out to God, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Remember, that's what he was lamenting, that he was removed from the mountain. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, a musical instrument, O God, my God. And then he wraps up one more time, saying, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And that's where he ends this lament, this, this crying out to God, this um, giving voice to the grief uh, of the losses that he had experienced. And it was his way of speaking to his own soul. Not only did his soul long for um, worshiping in God's presence but he longed for the protection and the provision of God that he had enjoyed um, living in the land of Israel, living in God's presence. And so what he calls out for, did you notice, is God's light and his loving care. This is what he, he asks God for. So mixed in with this lament, mixed in with um, giving voice to the losses and, and the grief that he was feeling, he cried out to God. He, he had a request of God. He said, send me your light. Send me your faithful care. Knowing that when you do, that's when I will be able to worship you again. That's what's going to bring renewal to my soul. He knew the condition of his soul. He knew it was downcast. It was heavy. He knew the burden that it had been carrying. And he knew where renewal would be found. And that's what we need to know as well, isn't it? I mean, somebody, 
so many times for most of us, for me, we're not even aware that any of this is even happening. It's happening on a level that, that we just feel off or we feel angry or we feel short-tempered or we feel frustrated. Um, and, we, and we don't know why sometimes, right? Honestly, uh, we're carrying some things that, that we're, we're just not even sure what's going on or how to get a handle on it. And some of that, as we've said, starts with understanding who we are, what are our deeper longings, how are we wired, and what is it that, that our soul is actually carrying that we may not have been aware of. That's sort of the, the, the first piece of even recognizing the value of lament in our own life. And then knowing where renewal is found is sort of the second piece of that, right? It's, it's one thing to know where you are, and it's another to know how to experience that renewal. Um, author Larry Crabb psychologist uh, has written a book called Soul Talk. And so he talks about how to sort of um, live in this category of understanding and, and articulating, giving voice to what's happening on the soul level. And he talks about uh, the idea of a red dot. And he's imagining a map, right? It's the you are here red dot. And he says, you know, we need to know where we are. Like what's that red dot that, that helps us identify where we are on the map of our life, uh, of our inner life, of our soul if we were here in a small group setting, um, one thing I would do is just go around the room and say, hey, give us a one-word check-in. Sort of in, in a word, where are you right now? What, what's the red dot on your map of, of your life and how you're processing things, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a deeper inner, inner life level? And then sort of explain what that, what that word is. Uh, would be helpful even now, wherever you are, whether you're uh, at home or whether you're here in the room um, be good to go, where, where, where am I right now? What is that red dot? In, in a word, where am I? And then how can renewal come for me? So three things, I think, emerge out of this light and loving care um, that, that the psalmist is praying for that I think can be helpful uh, for us. So what is that light? I mean, the light is, is a strong theme biblically. It has meaning. It has context. It's not just a generic uh, reference to light. Uh, and we see it happening first in the Old Testament. So we'll take a look at this passage in Isaiah 60. Uh, this is sort of speaking to the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. This is a prophecy of what will happen. He says, see, Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's a reference to God keeping his promise to restore and redeem Israel. And so for the psalmist who is writing this lament, that's what he's looking forward to is, Lord, send your light and your loving care. He knows that that the hope of Israel is that this will one day happen. One day he will yet again praise God. His soul will be ultimately renewed. And just the knowledge that that's going to happen brings renewal even now. Even in exile, he's able to worship God because of the hope of the light and loving care of God, that his light would indeed come. And so this was the promise that this... Um, Israelite worship leader was looking to arise, send your light and your loving care, and then, then my soul will be renewed. Then I will worship you again. But then that application is carried uh, forward. It's not just for the nation of Israel. Um, John, the companion, the apostle of Jesus, uh, said in John 1, as he's talking about um, 
who Jesus is. It says, in him, referencing Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's really what what you and I need, isn't it? It's the offer of the gospel, that Jesus has come to shine light in the darkness, and when he does, the darkness will not be able to overcome it. A lot of us feel like we're in darkness. When our soul is heavy, it's a darkness. It's an oppressive darkness, and we don't know how to find renewal. We're we're sort of quite literally stumbling around in the dark when our soul is heavy. The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus is life, and that's the light of all mankind, not just for an Israelite, but for you and me and for anyone who trusts in Jesus. That light will shine into the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Where is renewal for your soul? It's in the light that Jesus can bring. How do we access that? The biblical strand of application of light uh, goes a little bit deeper and more specific. Um, So Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, says in 1 Corinthians 4, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time, that is when Christ returns and restores all things. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, uh, Paul is talking about his own life, his own ministry, the work that God had called him to do. And he was saying to the church uh, there in Corinth, he says, my conscience is clean. I'm doing what God has called me to do. Um, and and I'm sort of, he was sort of defending or, or sort of, um, yeah, sort of explaining to the Corinthian church uh, the, the sincerity of his own motives. But then he says, you know what, it's really not what I think. It's that when Christ comes, my own hidden motives that I don't even understand fully will be brought into the light. That light will expose the motives of the heart and what's really happening. If we sort of generalize that out a little bit, um, we're talking about the circumstances of our lives and the darkness that, that comes along with it, the burdens that you and I are carrying, the grieves, that, the, the losses that you and I are grieving. Um, that light can penetrate that darkness and expose what's really going on. So if you're like me, you have a hard time seeing these things, you have a hard time discerning these things, you you wonder if if you're ever going to get it. That light, the light of Christ, bringing it to him, calling out to God just like that Israelite worship leader, Lord, send me your light. Expose what's really going on. Help me see it and understand it so that I can do something like what this psalmist has done. I can grieve those losses. I can lament those things. I can give my soul the attentive care that it needs in order to be renewed. Quiet my mind. Quiet my heart. Still my body so that my soul can receive your light. And that's really what it comes down to, what it comes down to is, is when the light of Christ, the light of God's love, makes it to our soul. Doesn't just penetrate our mind, doesn't just penetrate our heart, doesn't just penetrate um, our, our strength or our physical bodies or get us to church, um, but it penetrates the level of the soul. That's when renewal happens. So I want to say, 
three real practical takeaways that I think can help us uh, take some steps uh, in applying this in our own lives. The first is just to check in on your own soul. Look for that red dot. Find a trusted friend or family member to share that with and to listen to where they are. So check in on your own life and be there for someone else to help them do the same. That would be the first real practical takeaway. Second would be to create a rule of life using the renewal plan. Uh, Aaron mentioned it uh, just before uh, this message. Uh, It's something that we've put together in this renewal series that really we're getting to the place in the series where it's um, really applicable and tracking with what we're doing uh, in these sermons. Uh, But the the plan itself, you may have seen it in a small group, you may not have. Uh, It's really an individual tool to take you back to look at this whole series as a whole, beginning with identity, moving through uh, the idea of a rule of life, which is a a way to order our priorities. Uh, And there's a tool um, in this renewal plan that just helps us think through the categories of our life and how things are and how we want them to be and invites us to consider how might we rearrange our priorities to seek renewal in our life. So use that renewal plan. You can find it on our website, Uh, I'm sure we'll have a link pop up on the screen somewhere where you can find it. Take that renewal plan, give it attention, use it. And then the third thing, we're going to have an opportunity uh, to take a step deeper after this renewal series is done. So we have two more weeks in this series. And then here at Christ Church, we talk about steps to discover life with God. Um, And one of those steps is an opportunity to to take a step deeper in our understanding of God and of ourselves using a tool called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And so we're going to form an online group that you can be a part of that can help walk through and give some language and categories to these things. We'll have more information available on that and would encourage you. um, If you're in a spot where you're asking the same kinds of questions that I have been asking for the last six, seven years, um, this tool has been enormously helpful for me. I've done it more than once and would encourage you to take a step deeper using that. I think the the groups are going to start uh, in November. So a real practical way to do that. So I hope that, um, that you and I, uh, as we step back and consider the psalmist, as we look at these practical ways of helping us, can meaningfully, truthfully, um, actually find some renewal for our souls in this time when we desperately need it, that we would not be conformed to the patterns of this world, whatever pattern is most compelling to you, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind of our heart, of our soul, even of our strength. May that be true of us. May God help us. May God send his light and his loving care so that you and I might be renewed today. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we need you. We need your light to shine in those dark places uh, that we have a hard time seeing. But I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would bring to light those things that each one of us needs to see today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, this season. And by your grace, uh, bring us the helps, uh, give us the strength, give us the clarity um, to be renewed. Meet the deepest longing of our souls. And we'll thank you and praise you and worship you for it, just like this psalmist has done. In Jesus' name, amen.